It's time now for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Now, here he is, that automotive journalist with the photographic memory, Ken Chester. Yeah, I got a memory, all right. Welcome to another hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host and automotive writer, photographer, and historian, Ken Chester. I'm glad that you decided to drop by. Now, regular listeners know the drill. We'll be rummaging around for automotive news and tidbits from the parts bin, along with our three topics of conversation. But first, adding your voice to the conversation is quick and easy. Text or call the Roadworthy Drive line, that number, 872-222-9793. To share a thought, offer some insight, ask a question, even suggest a future story idea. Uh, if you would rather email... Uh, my address is Ken at RoadworthyDrive.com. In any case, we want to hear from you. Now, of course, I am in studio with the other members of the Roadworthy Drive crew. From the adult in the room, my friend and show executive producer Jack at the Controls, along with our very own sweet and sassy social media diva, Sasha, holding it down on mic two. Howdy, my peoples. Hello. <laughs> okay, what? Sasha, I need you to answer me a question. Yes, Tell me sir. if I'm wrong here. The designated adult is supposed mm-hmm. to be the oldest person in the room, correct? No. Not necessarily. Really? No. no. Yeah, really. Help a brother out here. <laughs> Please. Yeah, let it go, Jack. I do not want to be the adult in the room. I will be, be the adult in no, the room. No, no. Right no, 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 no. Come no, on. No, no. Hold we, on. No, no. I hate to side with Ken on this one, <laughs> but management said we couldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, do you really hate to side with Ken on that? Yes, no. I do. <laughs> oh, ouch. Because I would, I would give up. Being the adult in the room. Uh huh. So however, that... however, I'm also the one. I guess I have to be the adult in the room because I'm the one that deals with the suits. And right. There you go. Because we have a whole lot of fun on this side of the table. Oh yeah. Oh, and, oh and, yes, and, you do. And <laughs> you can always deal with the suits. Yeah, we could kind of care less. Yeah. Although I, yeah, the suits are kind of preoccupied this week. Oh they boy. They got some issues. Oh boy, were they preoccupied? Yeah, they got some week. issues. Anyway. Okay, let's start talking in the parts bin, bud. Okay. Here's what I found in the parts bin. Okay. In a little town. North of here, uh, a little town, I believe, is called Wells, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, a dealer has struck upon an idea of making what's new old again. They're actually taking brand new Chevy Silverado pickups. I saw this. And, what are they doing? And, and painting them uh, in the old uh, Cheyenne Super 10 and, outfit of and the 1970s. They are badging them the same way. Yeah. What? Pictures yes. right here. Mm. It is two-tone colors. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Yeah. It's called Blake Greenfield Chevrolet Buick, um, and they're about two and a half hours from here, actually. Does now, it... where in Minnesota are they? Wells, Minnesota. I know, but geographically. South, yeah, Southern, you... South Central Minnesota, about an exit or two due west of Interstate 35 on now, 90. Did okay, it... they're on 90. Okay. Yeah, they're just they're north of 90, a little bit off in the northwest from there. Yeah. But basically... Less than 200 miles from here. Okay. Now, did they have to get some kind of, like, okay from Chevy to do this to the brand new? Because I see it, they did a package deal. They're a Chevy dealer. They're a brand new Chevy dealer. They're wow. taking brand new Chevrolet trucks yeah. and, and doing that. When and, I... this is, and honestly, this is really nothing new. Dealers have been doing little one-off 
specialty stuff on vehicles for years. Yeah. But in current memory, this is kind of one of the few that are doing it to brand new 2018 pickup trucks. Now, they said even a guy from New York State flew in to buy one. Yep. Yeah. And other dealers are kind of – there's at least one other dealer uh, doing something like this. So I thought I'd share that. I thought it was pretty cool. Well, not only, not only is it cool, but what I'm waiting for mm-hmm. is I'm waiting for them to do the same thing with, for lack of a better uh, – now it would be the Tahoe, but then it was the Blazer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be absolutely cool to me. Yeah. I will put it to you this way. You can get that treatment from that dealer for roughly six grand. Mm-hmm. And as I call it, six grand gets you a trip back to the 1970s. They look pretty cool. The oh, two tone and a whole bit. The one that the one that I saw was is either red and white or red orange, and white. or orange and white. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't mm-hmm. quite tell. Well, it said that Dale Earnhardt even took notice of that. Junior, which, yeah. yeah, junior, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Even down to the Cheyenne plate, yeah, yep, and the big ten on the tail, yeah, and the two tone, yep, which is really cool. And I thought I'd share that. Now, hold on to your hats. Okay, how about a peer to peer? e-commerce platform to buy and sell cars. So, like, I'm selling a car, and I, I put to it on this app, mm-hmm. app mm-hmm. and then kind of like what the marketplace is on Facebook? Not even that. The name of the company is called Blinker. On, I'm not making this up. Blinker. Blinker. They say it's the only peer-to-peer e-commerce platform that provides an end-to-end solution for anyone buying, selling, or get this, financing a car, and... They just joined with Ally Bank to provide the financing. Huh. Yeah. They Now, with Ally, they will now pick up Ally's vehicle protection coverage, okay. including Ally's guaranteed asset protection insurance and Ally Premier protection vehicle service contracts. And what's that? That's your, that would be an extended warranty. So you basically extend a, extended repair contract and your gap insurance. Yeah. We've talked about here on the show. Right. On average, Blinker says they've helped sellers save $2,900 on average. That makes sense. And save buyers an average of two grand below dealer retail. Now, let me rephrase that. They've earned an average of $2,900 over trade-in, saved buyers an average of $2,000 below dealer retail. Okay. Since 2013, when they were launched, the company secured 13 patents. Wow. And they're going to continue to roll out new features. We talked about mobility was a mosaic of all kinds of things. Right. Yep. Blinker is just one more thing uh, that, that people will have to choose from. Now, the company verifies the ability of every, identity of every buyer, seller, and vehicle and offers free Carfax reports, plus securely transfers funds and even assists with DMV paperwork. They're based in Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado. Yeah. All right. So I thought that was pretty cool. Now. Um, we're going to get off into the weeds a little bit. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. How would you like to take a Hyperloop to Cleveland? What? Okay, now, wait a second, wait a second. Define Hyperloop. An underground tube moving at a very high rate of speed nope. from Chicago to Cleveland. Nope. Nope. Well, guess what? I don't do... There, I, I heard something about this this week. Let me, let me... I'll put it to you like this. Chicago to Cleveland currently takes six hours by train, okay. five by car, an hour in the air by Hyperloop. That would be more like 28 minutes. What? Yeah. 
Now, could I, you handle being underground for 28 minutes? Here's, Probably. Here's my thing. Forget passengers. Do you know what this would do for freight? Oh, oh yeah. Forget passengers for a minute. If this was strictly a freight business with time-sensitive freight, particularly in the auto industry or any other time-sensitive industry, and I can get, I can either get my goods from Cleveland yep. to Chicago and points out, or from Chicago to Cleveland for critical time-sensitive materials, yep. mm-hmm. are you kidding me? It'd be worth it. To me, when I saw this, I said, forget passengers. Make this thing liable for freight. Now, yeah. it's a real thing. They've actually got, they're looking at um, some initial agreements with some of the state regulatory agencies to actually do some preliminaries on whether or not this would be feasible. And honestly, people, we've been here before. Okay, so maybe it's an underground high-speed loop. But uh, 200 years ago, it was the Erie Canal that did this, I mean, transportation that got you from New York City to the Great Lakes to Chicago. Yep. Yep. So all it is is it's the 21st century pitch even for railroads. Railroads did the same thing. All we're looking at now is another mode of transportation to get from point A to point B. Now, we heard about Elon Musk and their boring company. We talked about that, the same kind of concept, what he's looking at. Mm -hmm. This is Midwestern by a whole different company. has nothing to do with Elon Musk. Well, and what my question is, are they going to – is Illinois going to allow this to happen? Right now, Ohio and Illinois agencies are allowing them to develop a feasibility study to investigate potential routes, determine costs, and try to address engineering challenges. It's a thing. Now, now they made it clear – no public money has been spent, and they don't plan to spend any. But they figure that doing, getting into this, Cleveland stands to benefit more economically than Chicago. Their argument, Cleveland-based businesses, greater access to major corporate presence in Chicago, and its emerging leadership role in technology. So something to look for, another, another something. Um, I don't know so much about passengers. I really think freight would be the would pay the bills. Couldn't on that. you do both though? You could, but like I re- if they did the like the last two or three cars on the in the you, you could, but I, we'll see how that goes. Okay. When I return, topic A is a consumer alert about an automotive insurance that was forced on consumers by a major national bank. Stay tuned. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. A young family. A fun family. One thing needed to put them in action. Oldsmobile's F-85 station wagon. Roomier than ever. And at a new lower price. One-piece tailgate for easy loading and unloading. 20% more cargo space. He likes the Oldsmobile styling. The longer wheelbase for easier handling. She likes the comfort. The handsome interior. They all think it's the greatest. Any way you look at it. Any way you power it. 
with a Jetfire Rocket V8 or an Econoway V6. The bigger, lower-priced F-85 station wagon at your Oldsmobile quality dealers. For 64, go Olds, where the action is. So what do you got against the Econoway 6? Okay, it's nothing against the Econoway 6. It has more to do with, I just love the sound effects that they used in those old commercials. Uh, yeah, well, station wagons were before minivans, which were before crossovers. Now, you have to understand something. I absolutely loathe station wagons. You know, I, I can't... It doesn't matter. You when, know, I can't speak to your personal situation. Stop. But they stop. sold they sold millions of them. I, you know what? I get that. I get that. Um, I, no. I, there, no love for the station wagon. What can I tell you? Okay, I it, got one quick question. Yes. Yes. What year exactly did, the, did they bring out the V6? Uh, oh, well, funny. let's see. That might have been a straight six in that car. V6 probably would have been the late 50s. But uh, in the case of General Motors, here's the thing. Okay. Uh, they were four-cylinder until the late 40s. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, late 30s. Ah. Then it were six. Uh, 1955 is when everybody lost their minds when they came up with the short-block Chevy V8. So okay. I would say that the V6 probably came after that. Okay. So, And I need to clue the audience, if you're just joining us, and we get into these conversations, <laughs> you've reached Roadworthy Drive, and, and welcome uh, I'm Ken Chester here with the Roadworthy Drive crew, Jack at the controls, and our sweet and sassy Sasha, and uh, w- station wagon hater, holding what? it down at mic two. Wow. Yeah, well, hey, you said you didn't like them. I mean, I'm just did you saying. have to just bust me out like that, though? Totally. Wow. Totally. So much. Yeah. Well, folks, over the past number of years, we've kept you, our listener, up to date and informed about product issues and recalls. Now, this particular consumer alert has nothing to do with... Uh, vehicle recalls per se, but does have to do with automotive loans and, more importantly, car insurance. It seems that one lender has forced expensive automotive insurance on customers uh, who received car loans from them. And what makes it worse mm-hmm. is these folks had insurance. Oh. And what's even worse than that, oh. the bank got a commission on the added insurance they sold. Are you kidding? Let me guess who this is. Oh. Go, go for it. Wells Fargo. Absolutely. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. Now, bear in mind, folks, this has happened some years ago, and it caught up with them starting late last year. But right now, it's kind of came in a couple of waves. This last wave affected a half a million drivers. And the government is investigating the abuses all the way back some 12 years to 2005, and figures that they need to refund a total of $182 million. Okay, what years are we talking about? From oh, when to when? Um, it didn't get into that, but at least back to 2005. Okay, so... So, here, so here's my question. So over I the had, last, uh, probably around 2013-ish. Okay, so I would, so I would be okay. Because I had a car loan for a very short period of time. Uh, two years ago with Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. So this is not a practice that they were doing currently? No. Okay. No. Um, and it's taking them this long to figure it out? Well, this is a confidential report. It was originally reported by the New York Times last October, which criticizes Wells Fargo for forcing hundreds of thousands of borrowers to buy unneeded auto insurance when they took out a car loan. And like I said, which was disgusting, 
They got paid commissions on it. Okay. Now, here's my other thing, because we've talked auto insurance on this show before. Yes, we have. Now, was the auto insurance, just to add more onto this disgust, was the auto insurance actually... Um, what I, what I have to wonder is if, was it enough coverage? Well, what I but what that's I, not but that's but not what I'm wondering is were they actually doing what I'm going to call quote gap insurance to make sure that their no. loan got paid off? No, this typically banks have the right to put insurance, what they call force insurance, on you if insurance is lapsed and there's no proof that you had carried insurance. Right. right. Okay. Right. This is not that case. This was reported last July. And a report by uh, the regulator, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. Now, here's the kicker. Here is the kicker. Originally, it was 800,000 people who took out car loans from Wells Fargo were charged for auto insurance they did not want or need, typically because they already had coverage. But I go further. The internal report said that the cost of the unneeded insurance, which covered collision damage, cost... 274,000 Wells Fargo customers to fall behind on their car loans and resulted in 25,000 vehicles wrongly repossessed. Oh, my oh goodness. My gosh. Oh, you want to go a little worse? Yeah, let's do that. Customers on active military duty were among those hurt by the practice. Oh. Um, I feel a rant coming on, and I'm going to have to stuff it down because I could just at yeah. this point. Oh, uh, how? Oh, but, there, but there's more. Of course there is. Cause Wells Fargo's insurance practices and violated a section of the Federal Trade Commission Act, which prohibits unfair deceptive acts in commerce, the report said. For example, the bank did not break out the insurance costs embedded in the car loans. Rather, it included the amounts owed on unneeded coverage in the monthly payments, which is why most people didn't know it. So, okay, what you're saying is if I would have applied for a loan and Wells Fargo came back and they were the, you know, the one that I chose, it would have said on my 2013 vehicle, Whatever. my payment, it would have just said my payment is, yep. let's just say, $350. Mm-hmm. Right. But it could have been. 225 so you're saying that that insurance might have cost me over $100 a month? Oh, yeah. Plus the interest. Yeah. And the, they were charging me interest. Didn't, oh yeah, because what they did, oh. what, what they what they did is exactly what Ken said. They hid it in the loan costs. Okay, let me wrap this up by saying this: yeah. the bank will refund twenty five million dollars to four hundred ninety thousand customers who so hauled had this coverage. It will refund thirty nine million dollars to sixty thousand customers whose customers where customers didn't receive the full disclosures from their vendor, the insurance company that carried that coverage. Required by five states, those customers are based in, and then finally, sixteen million will be refunded to twenty thousand customers, where the additional cost of this insurance contributed to a default, which resulted in the repossession of their vehicle. Okay, are, is Wells Fargo going to take care of their credit reports? They oh, did not. Yeah. They did not mention that, but I would imagine that would have to be part of it. Oh, it would have to be. Yeah. How- so, folks, buyer beware. You stay tuned to this program, you'll learn about stuff like this and try to keep you ahead of it. And now and now we're coming to the break, and I'm going to go cool off. Yes, he is. Coming mm-hmm. up next, it's not George Jetson, but it's a now thing, a commercial autonomous flying taxi service. Find out where. This is Roadworthy Drive.
Roadworthy Drive. I'm sorry. I say that it it is something that gets. Why do you do that? Because <laughs> it gets her wound up. I it's love so We don't need her wound up. Oh my! The world. Oh, but between our little talk between uh, yep. segments, yeah. No, that's called a little bit of getting even. If you're, <laughs> if you're just joining us, folks, this is the second half of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm so glad you could join us. I'm Ken Chester. Now, for those of you who want or need more than your fair share of the road, particularly if you're curious about what we talk about behind the scenes as we're producing the show, be sure to check out the show website, and that's roadworthydrive.com. And that's all one word, roadworthydrive.com. Listen to past shows, watch the in-studio antics, and find out what got us so wound between the breaks, and more. You can see pictures of our Roadworthy Drive crew, as well as discover what we are doing in the world of social media. Sasha is our resident geek and social media diva who keeps things interesting and entertaining online between shows. See how she keeps the social in our social media. You'll be glad you did. Right, Sasha? Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. The, yep. The words of approval from Sasha. <laughs> okay. Larry Page. Yes. Of Google. Okay, who is Larry Page? Uh, one of the founders of Google. Okay. Now called Alphabet. And uh, Elon Musk. Mm. Yes, down girl. It's okay. Of Tesla have a lot in common. Does After, he have stock in, in Tesla? I do. W- no, you don't. With, with as much as, as it gets brought up, I got to wonder if he's Who, me? Gonna, yeah, you. No, I have no position in hint, Tesla. Hint, Tesla. Hint, hint, Tesla. Hint, hint, Canvas. Elon. Hush. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Canvas is a Ford uh, oh, product. You might as well tell them what it is. Canvas is the future of automotive oh ownership Why did and I mobility. Let her go? Uh, Ford Motor Company has decided to step into the future and offer something that actually makes sense to the everyday automotive consumer. Okay, you got that out your system? I did. Okay, folks, in case you're wondering <laughs> why I had her do that plug, look for in shows probably in April where Sasha is going to actually talk about car sharing and unique car leasing, of which Ford's Canvas program is one of them. The lady is on a tear. Uh, She's got some good information, and we'll be launching our first Tech with Sasha uh, in the next month or so. Not only is she excited about this. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. She wants one. But we may have converted her to Ford. Yeah. Shh. Yeah. Stop stop putting out egg. Hey, Ugly hey, rumors. hey, don't slam the blue oval. Oh, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Full disclosure, I have an F-150. Right? Do you, do you yes. kiss the oval every night? No. Do you uh, caress it gently and whisper it to sleep? No. Uh, family show, Sasha. <laughs> no, no, show. no, 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 <laughs> no. You know, let that go. All right, all right. Let so you're talking about going well. back to Larry yeah. Page. Yes. And, and Elon Musk. And Elon Musk. Yes. Uh, they've built, both built widely successful companies. They have branched out into other ventures that one might say um, is more passion than profit. Uh, for Musk, it was disguised with SpaceX. Yeah. Uh, yep. And underground with the boring company. And no joke, that's really what he calls it. 
yep. the Boring Company. Now, mind you, we're boring underground. He's not boring. Right. Again, tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. For Larry Page, however, it's been autonomous flying aircraft. Mm-hmm. He is so passionate about it, he actually founded not one, but two companies that are pursuing the same goal. And he is the one behind the world's first commercial autonomous air taxi service. Now is the time. New Zealand is the place. So, Jack, okay. we're going to have to get okay. topic pick, B. Pick their most remote place in the world to do this. Uh, mm. I can think of some islands even more remote. Well, but I'm talking about something that does have some place to land. Uh, okay. There are some islands even more remote somewhere in the middle of the Pacific somewhere. So, yeah, but there's not room to land. Jack, uh, there is. what we're going to need from you, Okay, we're going to need three airline tickets to New Zealand for research for the Roadworthy Drive Crew mm-hmm. to test mm-hmm. out these autonomous air taxis. Can, now, now, here's the thing. Ken. Yes. Can I tell her no now because that's what the suits are going to tell me? Hey, oh, yeah, tell her. No. Oh. Right, there you go. Wait a minute. The self-flying taxi has a name. What's its name? And what's its name? Cora. How are they spelling that? C-O-R-A. Cora. Cora. Okay. Say hi to Cora. Hi, the Cora. The self-flying taxi. It has a dozen lift fans, all powered by batteries, and this is, a, this is a vertical takeoff and landing system, so you don't need a runway. It can fly about 62 miles and carry two passengers. I'll Char- let that sit in. Charging time. Um, not nearly that long. And what is the cost? Uh, hold on. Okay. Once in the air, a single propeller drives Cora at about 110 miles an hour for at altitudes between 500 and 3,000 feet. The plane has three independent flight computers and can navigate even if one goes down while each rotor works independently. And to answer Jack's question he hasn't asked yet, <laughs> if everything goes kablooey, it has a parachute for landing without the fans. Because I knew you were going to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. They they want to make New Zealand its base to make a future where the freedom of flight belongs to everyone in the same way that the Wright brothers initially took off in North Carolina now, in 1903. This is my question. Is there mm-hmm. a reason why, kind of building on Jack's question, is there a reason why they picked New Zealand? They don't say. Huh. But this is a test. Right. They said the companies have not put a timeline on it would be available for rides to the public. Are they built yet? Do they well, have a concept? Well, t- I'll tell yet? you this. Uh, they first, the timeline was their first, they built one that could hover in 2011. Yep, yep. Uh, their first self-piloted one was 20, transition was 2014. And they started the beginning of self-piloted testing in New Zealand last October. However, Kitty Hawk, which is the name of the company that's operating it, is not the only company working on air taxi concepts. We actually reported several years ago about the Chinese company Ehang yep. with their autonomous single-passenger helicopter. Yep. yep. And uh, we talked extensively about Uber Elevate, mm-hmm. yeah. which wanted to launch in Dallas, Dubai, L.A. in 2020. They were going to use a NASA-based uh, air traffic control system. We talked about that extensively Uber actually put out a 98-page white paper that we covered about a year ago. I remember remember that. Yeah. So, you know, by no means is uh, Kitty Hawk alone. And there's a major commercial aircraft manufacturer testing their autonomous flying taxi, and that's Airbus out of Europe. And they call theirs Valhanna, 
and they call it the Electric Autonomous Flying Vehicle, uh, and they're based in Silicon Valley, believe it or not. And it took its uh, – they said it looks like a mashup between a flying car and a racing drone. And it took its first 53-second maiden voyage at Pendleton, Oregon, their base test site where they're based. Huh. So this thing is happening, people. You okay. might not, Autonomous cars in the air, autonomous cars on the ground, autonomous cars underneath the earth. Autonomy. Okay, okay we need this. We do. Okay, enough of that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't get all... I, I don't know, get right? the final... Dun, 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 dun. Not wow. when you're out of time. <laughs> Finally, a Texas town ditches its butt service for an app. But yeah. this is no ordinary town. Find out the amazing difference. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. This is Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. This is the final part of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Ken Chester. Mobility. I have talked about this term a lot. In short, it reflects the growing number of choices that consumers have to travel from point A to point B. Now, I consider it more of a mosaic of choice due to the many evolving different ways and methods currently being introduced. Compared to just 20 years ago, the traditional way of owning a vehicle and its relationship to personal freedom for many is changing. And for some, dramatically. That would be me. Yeah. Yep. Arlington, Texas is one such town. Mm-hmm. It might surprise you to know that they're ditching their bus service for a ride-sharing app. Okay, you say, I have talked about towns exploring many different ways to get their citizens from point A to point B. But here's the thing. Yep. Did I happen to mention Arlington, a city of 400,000 people, yep. considered a transit desert by transportation authorities is ground zero for the manufacture of all General Motors' large SUVs? Yes, you did. That means since 1997, Arlington has been there uh, in the manufacture of the Chevy Tahoe, Suburban, GMC Yukon, Yukon XL, Cadillac Escalade, and Escalade SUV. All large people haulers. So obviously they're going to be using GM vehicles for this. No, ma'am. <coughs> really? Really? Yeah. What and are they going to use? Oh, are you, you ready? ready? Okay. First of all, yeah. the app is called VIA. V-I-A. Okay. Um, just got a $250 million finance round from the parents of Mercedes-Benz Daimler. And the, the, the first 10 vehicles used in this are Mercedes-Benz vans. The Sprinter? Yeah. Uh, I think even the smaller one. But... I, the smaller one, uh, oh, I can't think of it. Mirza something that they just introduced. Okay. Uh, yeah. In Arlington, Texas. Again, the ground zero for, for GM. GM, which has, which one is their mobile but, app, Maven? But you, but, you Maven. Sa- but you said it was 10. 10 to start. Okay, but if they're going to ditch their buses, they're going to have to have more than 10. Well, let's back up a minute. 
It's not the full city. Uh, they're replacing basically a charter bus service they were using. Okay. Uh, Arlington does not have border-to-border bus service today. Arlington was built on what they considered the good old traditional suburban model of motor vehicles. Again, it's ironic. Did I mention Arlington, Texas, yeah, builds full-size GM SUVs? Did yeah. I also mention that General Motors Corporation, in wages, every day that plant is open, spends a million dollars a day? What a wonderful way to give back to your community by, you know, just telling oh, did the I also well, mention but, well, you gotta, but you But you got you to say this, though. Huh. It's the city that's done it. Oh, yeah. Not GM. Did, no. I, did I also mention that's they built exactly. six D200 SUVs a week? Wow. Yeah, I'm just letting that settle. I mean, how much? And I want, to, I want to believe in my heart of hearts that Arlington first went to GM and was like, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. Let's just say, because we reported it here on an earlier show. That GM was reporting massive record numbers sales in their bigger SUVs. Okay, but hang on for a second, Tasha. Yeah. Let me let me give you something about dealing with cities because I've had a deal with the one we live in. Okay. okay. All right. They probably put out an RFP. RFP stands for Request for Proposal. Yep. Uh huh. And that's probably how they did it. Now, did GM file? The request for the proposal, we don't as, know. as Arlington asked for, or was Mercedes Benz the only one that did it? Okay. Now let's be clear. This is not a Mercedes-Benz owned company. Mm-mm. They have uh, Daimler Investment, but Via is an app. Okay. Now, here's the thing: in the operating area that they're going to operate, which mm-hmm. again is not the whole city, okay, and they're going to be rolling it out to more areas as it goes on. So let's be fair here. Okay, uh, fares during the week: three dollars a ride, ten dollars for a weekly pass, uh, and your tax dollars are subsidizing that. Uh, the city's going to put up. About 322500 The feds are going to put up for the first year $600,000 in this experiment. I'm going to let you brew on that. Okay. You, you brew in. Here's, here's, you brew in. Here's my question. Go ahead, Jack. Um, is there a mileage restriction? Um, no. No, it literally took the place of the charter van program that they buses. are. The, but buses. I'm assuming that they've got to stay within the city limits of Rollington. Well, yeah, because that's the thing. They're not going... 20, 30 miles out to, of town. To Dallas, to Fort no, Worth, or to anybody. No, this is, strictly, this is strictly within the city limits. And then again, it's not, not the whole the full city. city. Like it's this literally is a like city a of 400,000. Well, I understand that, but I'm assuming if I'm out in, in, let's say, the southwest part of the, the town and I need to go downtown and the service is out there for me, I'm assuming that they will take me downtown. Yes. Yeah. But the they service, will pick me up from downtown yes. and take me back to the southwest yes, corner. But yes, but it, it's ahead. not picking you up. From, like, your house, is it? Or are they still it using, could. like, the bus routes? No, no, no. And that's the beautiful part. It is a, according to their website, Rideshare is a transportation option. It uses smartphone application and a fleet of Rideshare vehicles to provide a service that has no fixed schedules, no fixed routes, and an infinite number of on-demand stops. Passengers share their ride and save money. Okay, that's okay. That's how they're Ten- doing it. Dollars a week. Yes. For a pass, unlimited passes. Providing it providing that your needs are within where they service now. Okay, but that's the kicker. My my next question, how many of these ten vans are going to do right. are going to be handicapped equipped? 
Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Okay. Because the city said um, if you don't, uh, that their Arlington's Handytran is still available option for those needing accessible vehicle and door-to-door service if you're handicapped. Okay. Because the question was, will customers who use wheelchairs still be able to use the VIA service? The answer is yes, but if that doesn't cut it for you, the program they have in place is still available. Okay. So I'm so glad you asked that question. So, yeah. $10 a week, Jack. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, and available. And not, you don't have a car payment. You don't have insurance. Gas, you don't have gas. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And it picks me up from my house. I could go grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. Not have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that brings the next question. What if four of you are going grocery shopping, sharing this ride together? Is all your stuff going to fit in the van? <laughs> uh, <laughs> given the size of the van, yes. Yeah. I, I would say yes. Um, but then again, this is considered a transit desert. They said this is the only city that size that doesn't have a comprehensive public transportation infrastructure. Wow. 400,000. That is big. And Texas size, you know it's spread. So on that note, that wraps up this hour. Hmm. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.